Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pritchard came in, followed by the unknown dog, who, like Pritchard, placed himself besides my chair and scratched my knee with his paw in such a confiding way that I felt sure that Pritchard must have been commending my benevolence. The dog, after spending a pleasant evening, found that it was rather too late to return home, so slept comfortably on the grass after his good supper. Next morning he took two or three steps as if to go away. Then, changing his mind, he inquired of Pritchard, should I be much in the way if I stayed on here? Pritchard replied, You could quite well, with management, make them believe you are the neighbor's dog, and, after two or three days, nobody would know you did not belong to the house. You might live here just as well as those idle useless monkeys, who do nothing but amuse themselves, or that greedy vulture, who eats tripe all day long, or that idiot macaw, who is always screaming about nothing. The dog stayed, keeping in the background at first, but in a day or two he jumped up upon me and followed me everywhere, and there was another guest to feed. That was all. Michelle asked me one day if I knew how many dogs there were about the place. I answered that I did not. Sir, said Michelle, there are thirteen. That is an unlucky number. Michelle, you must see that they do not all dine together, else one of them is sure to die first. It is not that, though, said Michelle. It is the expense I am thinking of, why they would eat an ox a day, all those dogs, and if you will allow me, sir, I will just take a whip and put the whole pack to the door tomorrow morning. But Michelle... Let us do it handsomely. These dogs, after all, do honor the house by staying here. So give them a grand dinner tomorrow. Tell them that it is the farewell banquet, and then, at dessert, put them all to the door. But after all, sir, I cannot put them to the door, because there isn't a door. Michel, said I, there are certain things in this world that one must just put up with to keep up one's character and position. Since all these dogs have come to me, let them stay with me. I don't think they will ruin me, Michelle. Only on their own account. You should be careful that there are not thirteen. I will drive away one, suggested Michelle, and then there will only be twelve. On the contrary, let another come 
and then there will be fourteen. Michel sighed. It's a regular kennel, he murmured. It was, in fact, a pack of hounds, though rather a mixed one. There was a Russian wolfhound, there was a poodle, a water spaniel, a spitz, a dachshund with crooked legs, a mongrel terrier, a mongrel King Charles, and a Turkish dog which had no hair on its body, only a tuft upon its head and a tassel at the end of its tail. Our next recruit was a little Maltese terrier named Lisette, which raised the number to fourteen. After all, the expense of these fourteen amounted to rather over two pounds a month. A single dinner given to five or six of my own species would have cost me three times as much, and they would have gone away dissatisfied, for, even if they had liked my wine, they would have certainly found fault in my books. Out of this pack of hounds, one became Pritchard's particular friend and Michel's favorite. This was a dachshund with short crooked legs, a long body, and, as Michel said, the finest voice in the department of Seine was. Portugal, that was his name, had in truth the most magnificent bass voice. I used to hear it sometimes in the night when I was writing, and think how that deep-toned majestic bark would please St. Hubert if he heard it in his grave. But what was Portugal doing at that hour? And why was he awake while the other dogs slumbered? This mystery was revealed one day, when a stewed rabbit was brought me for dinner. I inquired where the rabbit came from. You thought it good, sir? Michel asked me with a pleased face. Excellent. Well, then you can have one just the same every day, sir, if you like. Every day, Michel? Surely that is almost too much to promise. Besides, I should like before consuming so many rabbits to know where they come from. You shall know that this very night, if you don't mind coming out with me. Ah, Michel, I have told you before that you are a poacher. Oh, sir, as to that, I am as innocent as a baby, and, as I was saying, if you will only come out with me tonight. Must I go far, Michel? Not a hundred yards, sir. At what o'clock? Just at the moment when you hear Portugal's first bark. Very well, Michel, I will be with you. I had nearly forgotten this promise, and was writing as usual when Michel came into my study. It was about eleven o'clock, and a fine moonlight night. Hallo, said I. Portugal hasn't barked yet, has he? No, but I was just thinking that if you waited for that, you would miss seeing something curious. What should I miss, Michel? The council of war which is held between Pritchard and Portugal. I followed Michel, and sure enough, among the fourteen dogs, which were mostly sleeping in different attitudes, Portugal and Pritchard were sitting up, and seemed to be gravely debating some important question. When the debate was ended, they separated. Portugal went out at the gate to the high road, turned the corner, and disappeared, while Pritchard began deliberately, as if he had plenty of time before him, to follow the little path which led up to a stone quarry. We followed Pritchard, who took no notice of us. 
Though he evidently knew we were there, he went up to the top of the quarry, examined and smelt about over the ground with great care, and when he had found a scent and assured himself that it was fresh, he lay down flat and waited. Almost at the same moment, Portugal's first bark was heard some two hundred yards off. Now the plan the two dogs had laid was clear to us. The rabbits came out of their holes in the quarry every evening to go to their feeding ground. Pritchard found the scent of one. Portugal then made a wide circuit, found and chased the rabbit, and as a rabbit or a hare always comes back upon its former track, Pritchard, lying in ambush, awaited its return. Accordingly, as the sound of Portugal's barking came closer, we saw Pritchard's yellow eyes light up and flame like a topaz. Then all of a sudden he made a spring, and we heard a cry of fright and distress. They've done it, said Michel. And he went to Pritchard, took out of his mouth a nice plump rabbit, gave it a blow behind the ears to finish it, and, opening it on the spot, gave the inside to the two dogs, who shared their portion contently although they probably regretted Michel's interference. As Michel told me, I could have eaten a stewed rabbit every day for dinner, if such had been my desire. But after this, events of a different kind were taking place, which obliged me to leave my country pursuits, and I spent about two months in Paris. The day before I returned to St. Germain's, I wrote and told Michel to expect me, and found him waiting for me on the road halfway from the station. I must tell you, sir, he said, as soon as I was within hearing, that two important events have happened at Monte Cristo since you went away. Well, Michel, let me hear. In the first place, Pritchard got his hind foot into a snare, and instead of staying where he was as any other dog would have done, he bit off his foot with his teeth, and so he came home upon three legs. But, said I, much shocked, is the poor beast dead after such an accident? Dead, sir? Was not I there to doctor him? And what did you do to him then? I cut off the foot properly at the joint with a pruning knife. I then sewed the skin neatly over it, and now you would never know it was off. Look there, the rascal has smelt you and is coming to meet you. And at that moment Pritchard appeared, coming at full gallop, so that, as Michel had said, one would hardly have noticed that he had only three feet. My meeting with Pritchard was, as may be supposed, full of deep emotion on both sides. I was sorry for the poor animal. When I had recovered a little, I asked Michel what his other piece of news was. The latest news, sir, is that Jugatha's name is no longer Jugatha. What is it, then? It is Diogenes. And why? Look, sir, we had now reached the little avenue of ash-trees which formed the entrance to the villa. To the left of the avenue, the vulture was seen walking proudly to and fro in an immense tub, which Michel had made into a house for him. Ah, now I understand, said I. Of course, directly he lives in a tub. That's it said Michel. Directly he lives in a tub. He cannot be Jugatha any more. He must be Diogenes. 
I admired Michel's historical learning no less than I did his surgical skill, just as the year before. I had bowed before his superior knowledge of natural history. End of section 16